Amid mounting legal pressures, U.S. industrial conglomerate 3M announced it will stop producing toxic substances known as forever chemicals used in everything from cell phones to cosmetics to furniture by the year 2025. The pollutants, technically known as PFAS, which stands for perfluoroalkyl and polyfluoroalkyl substances, have been linked to illnesses including cancer, heart problems, liver damage, and low birth weight. They have been dubbed forever chemicals because they do not break down quickly and have in recent years been found in dangerous concentrations in drinking water, soils, and foods across the country. 3M's deadline to end production of the chemicals, announced Tuesday, came after California's Attorney General in November sued 3M, DuPont, and several other companies to recoup the staggering cleanup costs from the pollutants. Pressure also came from the financial community, with investors managing $8 trillion in assets earlier this year, writing to 54 companies urging them to phase out their use. And in August, the Biden administration said it would propose designating certain forever chemicals as hazardous substances under the U.S. Superfund program. 3M expects related pre-tax charges of up to $2.3 billion to phase out its use of the toxic chemicals. Hello, comrades. It's episode 260 of This Machine Kills. It's your premium episode for this week. I'm Jathan, joined by Ed and producer Jeremy, as always. And uh, I don't know. I, th- I think we. I think it's uh, you know. We've been talking a ton about AI. We've been talking a ton about the uh, you know microchip supply chain and all that. Um, I want to. I want to dig in a little bit more. There's been some really good reporting on the the kind of ecological side of um, the of the microchip production process. Right. We haven't talked a lot about the production process, manufacturing, all of that. Um, and and I think that is absolutely a really key aspect here, especially considering the the massive investment, the resources, um, the kind of you know geopolitical competitive advantages um, in the production process. We did mention, you know, very briefly uh, a little bit about the just like insane insanely complex technologies that go into creating microchips. Um, but there was a, there's a really big uh, and interesting investigative report uh, in the Financial Times just that came out just a couple days ago um, called The Crackdown on Risky Chemicals That Could Derail the Chip Industry. And it's extremely interesting. It also speaks back to um, an, an earlier era of, of Jathan, um, back when I was doing uh, polymer chemistry um, as an undergrad, um, when I thought, you know, when I was on a pathway towards uh, creating, synthesizing, and engineering the exact kind of chemicals that we're going to be talking about um, in this episode. Like we, we are getting a, a, a kind of, you know, a, a through the looking glass glimpse of what an alternative life and career for me could have been um, in, in this, uh, as we go through this piece, which is, you know, really looking at the, uh, the, the type of polymer that is absolutely crucial right now to the production of microchips but is also 
surprise, surprise, uh, extremely um, harmful to the environment and to uh, all living species um, that come Oops. in contact <laughs> with it. So, you know, <laughs> I think this is this is going to be this is like this can be kind of chalked up, you know, thrown in the folder labeled, uh, you know, a- another aspect of the you know, our microchipped AI arms race that is that you didn't know about, but is also uh, very lethal and might kill us all. <laughs> it is fun that like this thing that because of how uh, is is vital to like a lot of computation and how we're organizing digital technologies uh, and most of electronically mediated civilization is also like going to kill us in five different ways <laughs> and and some some might be not real like uh, roko's basilic or whatever but some are very real like um the constant uh you know emissions that we're putting out into the atmosphere or the uh fact that now you can you you get an iphone with notifications that never leave and uh forever chemicals that never leave your your body either right so it can always be connected that's right that's right we we got always stay plugged in linked (laughs) in to the the informational chemical biological substrate of the uh of, of the net you know it's very 90s in that way never unplug um hack the planet <laughs> <laughs> i'm never logging off why because never. there's chemicals in my bloodstream that won't allow me to log off <laughs> yeah it's just dupont holding a gun to the head of humanity dema- begging them to never log off not that they have a choice <laughs> about it it's like they they studied the uh the chemical makeup that's in cat shit that makes cat owners like subservient <laughs> to their cats it's like, yeah. we have to do this to people with iphones so they don't get rid of their iphones and they feel this like connection to it like they're a parent to a fucking child that it's like oh my god where's my phone it's just you know i love it i go outside i take a little smoke break i go on my phone i'm double dipping it's it's amazing (laughs) (laughs) oh man so the uh the 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 chemical in in question and and one i should also say i mean i love this kind of stuff as well because you know this is like materialist analysis at its fucking absolute like material level here so i often joke that you know i entered um college as a material scientist and i left as a dialectical materialist you know the, I, right. i'm uh <laughs> i'm i'm the one who the right wing you know is scared of right like like literally <laughs> being made into a marxist <laughs> at you at college um but not because of any of my professors though strangely enough i was the only marxist <laughs> in my <laughs> uh, in my department <laughs> um, and so uh but anyways it, it's it's nice to kind of do a bit of a full circle bring it back to the material science um, and think about it in, you know, in terms of the kind of the political economy, but also the political ecology of, um, of these technologies, right? That as you, as you said, Ed, I mean, they're just fucking, they're everywhere, right? Like it is real, it is truly just like put a microchip in it, but like uh-huh. we don't think about the, the cost of this, extreme proliferation of microchips in everything for nonsensical reasons as well right like like uh-huh. your coffee maker your toothbrush like these things don't need microchips in fact many things uh, that have them don't need them right like there's all these externalities that we don't think about 
the fact that like these microchips are around forever because they are made using chemicals that are called forever chemicals because they just do not break down um, ever, right? And they are just they just become part of the environment, part of um, our, our bloodstreams, like uh, you know, part of us at like a really deep genetic level. And so the uh, the the chemical in question, then let's get into it a little bit, is called uh, it, it's PFAS. Um, we can maybe call it like PFAS or something because we'll probably be saying that a lot in this episode. But it stands for um, perfluoroalkyl uh, substances and polyfluoroalkyl substances, right? And it's a it's a polymer, and so um, what it, what that means is it's a just a long strain. It's a synthetic chemical, so it's 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 human made, um, and it's just a long chain of. Um, molecules stuck together, like kind of repeating. Um, so in this case, it's a, it's a lot of carbon and fluorine atoms all stuck together. Um, the reason why this chemical is so crucial right now to the manuchip uh, manufacturing uh, or microchip manufacturing process, although importantly, we'll get into this, it's not as if there's absolutely no other way to manufacture microchips with you know, um, unless you use this chemical. It's more that our the global manufacturing system is kind of organized around using this chemical. And so creating or innovating other alternative manufacturing processes takes time and more importantly, investment, capital, right? Which means money um, that you could that you have to be spending creating a new process rather than money that you could be spending um, just using the existing process. And so we get into here as well a lot of things that we've talked about with people like Nick Chavez around the kind of uh, um, the capitalist imperatives that drive um, engineering innovation. The reason why this chemical is so um, useful um, and really widespread, it's used in microchips, which is probably, I, I would say, you know, it's probably its 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 largest and probably most consequential use, but it is used in a wide variety of other things as well. And, you know, uh, firefighter suits, aircraft and electric vehicles. Um, and it's used in these wide variety of places because the structure of the polymer is such that it is extremely strong. It's long lasting and it's very, very resistant to heat, physical force and other chemicals, right? And so it's, it's, that is why it's a forever chemical because it is made. It is designed and created to, um, not break down to be resistant to any other force that could destroy it or break it down, um, to be a kind of a forever chemical, but also to be this kind of invincible chemical as well. And so that durability means that it decays uh, extremely slowly and thus remains in the environment for very long periods of time. And it's wide, wide use in all of these things that are, you know, that are part of our everyday life also means it has become um, part of us. It has be it is in. Well, I think we'll we'll get into the the uh, 
the stats a little bit, but let's see here. Yeah, so studies have found that PFAS in the, uh, can be found in the blood of 99% of Americans um, and unsafe levels in the drinking water and soil of both U.S. and European citizens. Uh, the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency has warned that even near zero levels of PFAS could pose a threat to human health. Um, and so this is exactly what we're talking about when we're like, this, here, here's a, uh, a hidden secret way that microchip uh, is, are going to kill us all that we never knew about. Um, and, but it's, it has to do with the manufacturing process using this one chemical that is now in, uh, the blood of, uh, of essentially a hundred percent of all Americans, um, and at unsafe levels in the drinking water and the soil, right? And so it's like, I mean, just the, the, this, there is not one super fun site. Um, you know, if you care about like the environmental history of Silicon Valley, there's a lot of really good, great stuff written about the fact that the that Silicon Valley is like a bunch of Superfund sites, right? And Superfund sites for the uh, EPA are these sites of, you know, where there's been a lot of, you know, chemical and environmental um, damage um, that requires massive, massive investments over long periods of time um, to, uh, you know, clean up and uh, regenerate um, the environment, you know, and, and so, because of uh, the you know these manufacturing processes, you know Silicon Valley um, itself is filled with these Superfund sites. In other words, you know just filled with like massive environmental spills and chemical spills and all kinds of other dangerous things. Um, and <laughs> thanks to you know this 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 chemical PFAS. Um, there's not one super fun site. It's like the whole world is a super fun site at this, at this rate, you know, at this stage. Do you have a problem with that, Jathan? <laughs> hmm? Well, I mean, it does at this rate. The, the great thing is, is it doesn't really matter if I have a problem with it because, uh, right. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Be, because it, uh, it, it's already here. Right. And, and it, we'll get into it as we go through this, um, FT article, but you know, like, it's a little bit of uh, you know Johnny come lately to this as well in terms of like recognizing this problem. Um, you've got you know some of the big manufacturers like 3M announcing that they're going to halt PFAS production by 2025, um, but a lot of other leading industrial um, companies are. Uh, actively opposed to this, right? Because of the things that, because of what I mentioned before around like, you know, it costs money and time and, you know, investment. And there's a lot of uncertainty and stuff around like cre uh, creating an alternative process. And also it's like uh, these, you know, a lot of stuff is tied to the continual and increased production of microchips, right? Like, um, I mean, that's what the whole fucking like, uh, you know, Biden industrial policy is largely around the creation of microchips and green tech as a like domestic industry um, for the U.S. And and in the way that that's done, that requires um, increased production and use of this chemical among the many, 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 many other chemicals um, that are also really dangerous as well. Here we're just focusing on this one because it's so central um and it, it, it's becoming uh something of a a topic 
of regulatory concern, especially in the EU, which tends to be ahead of the game um, when it comes to at least regulating the environmental or informational um, damage caused by these companies and their technologies. Um, but even then, it's like, there's nothing certain in terms of like what that will actually look like uh, in in practice, um, in part because the interests are so powerful and the kind of political economy of this chemical is, is so, um, you know, complex is maybe not the right word, but like certainly like obfuscated, right? Like there's a lot of, uh, of interests that are pushing hard against um, any kind of serious consideration of not not even not even banning it just regulating its usage <laughs> it's you know one thing i'm also you know reading through this reading through this article right and a lot of it kind of talking through how you know like like you said the european union let me walk back like a chunk of the article talking about how like the european union itself has proposed and and pushed forward on you know a whole different regulatory track than the united states and one thing I'm, I feel like I always wonder about these forever chemicals um, is, you know, like how much the companies know internally. Because, I mean, you know, in the United States already, we know that, like, you know, the companies that were making, the company that was making Teflon knew that, like, the forever chemical that was responsible for making no stick and for allowing, like, all these wonderful cooking appliances to now have even increased durability knew and covered up uh, that these chemicals were, would, you know, rest at the bottom of a food chain and move their way up and contaminate and kill and riddle everything else with cancer and eventually making their way to humans and then resulting in all sorts of endocrine disruptions, resulting in cancers, resulting in fatal and rare diseases that are hard to treat. Um, but covered it up for decades ahead of the revelation or attempted or in an attempt to get ahead of the revelation. So like, you know, I guess my sense of it here is like, you know, one, or my question, I feel like is like one, like how much do these people know? Like how much did they know about the carcinogenic effects? I feel like they probably knew extensively. And why does this always lead to a different outcome in the United States versus Europe? I mean, I know why generally, but it is just like kind of infuriating, you know, why the Europeans, um, it just it just feels a little silly that Europe, bastion of colonialism and imperialism and slavery and God and you know what else, is first God knows what reason consisting a bit more ahead of the United States on like hey oh these things that might render a huge portion of humanity with a, a chemical and a, that they'll never be able to get out of their bodies. Um, and all sorts of disorders, diseases, ailments. We should probably ban that. We should like let's uh, let's get rid of that, folks. I'm you know like I feel yeah the, those I feel like those are just two things that are rattling in my head. Also, when thinking through those, like how much do the companies know? And then also like how much in response to what they knew did they decide fuck it? If we just make it like the global manufacturing system and everything's revolving around it, then what the fuck are you gonna do about it? Right. You're not going to upend capitalism or something, you know? <laughs> I mean, that's exactly what they've fucking done with this as well. That's like, and that is the, uh, um, 
that's the full court press against any kind of regulation is absolutely focused on this idea. That, uh, actually, this chemical is extremely cr uh, crucial. It's a keystone to uh, our entire economy. Um, and oh, oh, your EU, Europe, you're, you're heavily subsidizing um, these am these manufacturing ambitions in, in Europe to, you know, with the goal of uh, snaring, you know, 20% of the global chip market by 2030. And with that, you know, the production of things like electric vehicles and every other heavy industries. Well, you know what? Um, all of that revolves around the use of this chemical PFAS, right? Like, and so the, they are absolutely pitting, like, you know, these uh, economic interests um, against environmental interest, right? And like, that's the, that's just the story of capitalism, right there for sure. But like, it really feels like it's a this is a, a particularly pointy end of that stick here, um, where. You know, uh, the EU has also kind of put itself between a, a rock and a hard place where, you know, the only reason the EU is able to do stuff like this or even like consider it, right? And like, you know, to be sure as well, the, um, you know, PFAS is like a whole class of chemicals, right? And it's a class of like 10,000 chemicals, which is why it's also like so... So there's like 10,000 forever chemicals. It's not just one. <laughs> um, um, and that's why they're so widely used uh, throughout um, consumer goods and heavy industry and everything. When the EU began public consultation on proposals to ban um, this class of 10,000 chemicals, um, just a, you know, this, a couple months ago in March, um, you know, one, this would be, you know, they wanted to do it with a 13.5 year quote unquote transition period for the chip industry. So, so again, they're trying to like reach these compromise points where they're like, all right, what if we give you guys 14 years to transition away from using these insanely dangerous forever chemicals? Could you do that? Could you do that? No. Uh, and the industry's response is, fuck you. Yeah, <laughs> you fuck know? off. No, it's, it's like that little clip in the session where, the, where the Logan's like, why don't you take your library card and fuck off? <laughs> exactly. And this, you know, if this were to happen, which I guarantee you it's not, uh, it just won't happen. Um, it mm. would be the broadest restriction of chemicals in history um, ever. Right. Uh, but mm. it is also like the fact that they've uh, started consultation um, to even like put this idea on the table has really spurred this massive pushback against it. Um, and it has become this, this battleground um, now for, for industry, um, where on, you know, to the, to some really radical ends, like you mentioned, um, Teflon and the, the maker, um, of Teflon, or at least the, the owner of that patent is the, uh, and the brand is a comp company called Kimors. Uh, now this is a, um, Kimors has really been like, and the CEO of Kimors, Mark Newman has really been, um, at the forefront of the, uh, the opposition to any banning or regulation mm -hmm. of the use of PFAS. 
Um, yeah. and, and, and the, the language that they've been doing and the tactics he's been using, I think are really telling here, but also, um, the finance, the, the corporate structure of Camorra's is also really telling here. So it's a Delaware based company. Now that's strange. If, if you know, <laughs> Delaware doesn't have companies, it has PO boxes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and, and the reason why Camorra's is a Delaware based company founded in 2015 that uh, just somehow owns, you know, Teflon and is the world's leading producer of PFAS and all that, um, is because it was spun off of DuPont <laughs> as a way to um, uh, safeguard DuPont from um, liabilities having to do with lawsuits for the use of PFAS. <laughs> and so Camorra's is Kinda just like a big what front. Um, our friends at Johnson & Johnson did when they put um, literal poison and baby powder and then spun off a, or tried to spin off a company so that they could uh, have the lawsuits go through that. Kind of like what our friends at the... Um, can I forget these devil's names? Oh my God. I'll, I'll jump in while you remember that. I mean, that, that's exactly right. And, and Johnson Johnson did do that. Um, and so that like n almost $9 billion settlement that they reached for cancer in the baby powder, um, was, you know, is running through a subsidiary of Johnson and Johnson, which filed for bankruptcy, um, in order to, and then Purdue also did that same shit, right? The, the, opioid uh company also tried to say hey um listen guys yeah we got a lot of people addicted to opiates but that wasn't that's the royal we you know we didn't do that that was actually our subsidiary that we just spun off last year and so you're gonna have to take the uh the the claims to them and i don't know if they have enough money yeah. Uh, oh, they filed for bankruptcy. Guys. Sorry. I guess they're going to yeah. have to go into collections for that. Yeah. It, it sounds a, like you a, guys are. You hear that? It sounds like you guys are fucked. <laughs> it's a tried and true <laughs> tactic. Yeah, it, it's a, it actually has a name. It's called the Texas Two Step um, yeah, because it's, it's uh, <laughs> it has to do with uh, Texas bankruptcy law. Um, mm -hmm. and so it, it, so thank you, Texas. Again. Shout out to but Texas. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so it's, yeah. So it's this Texas two step. Um, and that's exactly what Camorra's is, right? Like Camorra's has all the ownership over, um, the Teflon brand. It is the largest manufacturer of PFAS and all that, which is a way of saying, um, uh, DuPont is washing its hands of anything. And so, um, you know, and these companies that have been, you know, uh, that manufacture and use uh, PFAS are, are have been subjected to thousands of lawsuits, um, you know, over the usage of this. So, again, this is like this is not something secret in the sense that like no one knows this is happening or no one knows it's dangerous. It's just secret in the sense that no one talks about it um, as a part of the microchip manufacturing or, or no one talks about it as a consequence, um, of the, you know, uh, the, the kind of digital technology revolution and the, you know, the fucking, yeah. you know, internet of things and all of that shit, right? Like no one talks about it as a absolutely crucial, uh, part of that. But, you know, the, this guy Newman who, Newman, uh, <laughs> who is uh, the CEO of Camorra's. Perfect. Um, Perfect. <laughs> he's like really going hard against 
um, any kind of ban or regulation of PFAS. Um, and so he's he's made some comments. Um, I'm quoting from the uh, uh, the Financial Times here again, where he says, you know, quote, the race to decarbonize through hydrogen is going to be thwarted if the EU decided to ban a class of high-performance, long-lasting fluoropolymers known as PFAS. You can't have electric vehicles without fluoropolymers. You can't have semiconductors, Newman said. So here's one thing. They're arguing that the entire... If you want to fight climate change and transition to a green economy, you need these forever chemicals. Um, <laughs> so it really is this like, look, do you want to be um, uh, uh, stabbed to death or shot to death? You have to choose. You have to choose which one you want, you know? Um, do you do want it, it to be like, you want it to be like a sudden death or, or like a long agonizing death? Like you, you got to choose one. Um, and then, you know, Newman goes on to say as well, uh, and, and, you know, to be sure these synthetic chemicals, as we mentioned, it's not only Teflon, you know, it's, it's not only the nonstick cookware, it's in textiles, it's in batteries, it's in smartphones, it's in vehicles. Um, this stuff is extremely resistant to water, oil, temperature, and corrosion. Um, and so that's one reason why they are so useful for green technologies. Like, I don't want to deny the fact that they are extremely yeah, useful. They have high utility for the manufacturing process of a wide range of um, of, of 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 goods uh, and advanced uh, technological processes. But it really is this thing that, like, uh, there's been no real serious consideration of the trade-offs here. The fact that because the molecules don't break down easily, because they accumulate over time in humans and, envir and the environment, a lot of studies have linked um, several variants of the PFAS chemical to things like slow fetal and baby growth, kidney cancer, um, among um, you know, a lot, a lot, a lot of other health problems. Um, and as I mentioned again, the, it's, found, it's been found in the blood of 99% of Americans. So it's not like you, know, you're, like you don't have it. It's more like to what degree do you have it and when is it going to start causing uh, serious effects. Um, but Newman has gone on to say as well, and this is that like, you know, Europe has put itself between a rock and a hard place between environmental protection and economic growth here. Um, and, you know, Newman has said, quote, it's really amazing to me that we would think of walking away from such a group of chemistries that enables the green economy. Such a decision would direct investment out of the European bloc and deindustrialize Europe. So, I mean, he's using some really rat, like serious language here, being like, if we don't use this chemical that, by the way, my company is one of the largest manufacturers of in <laughs> right. the world, then all of Europe is going to become an, a, a deindustrialized, like, uh, backward country. <laughs> the audacity, you know, it's, uh, it's really, it's really something else. Um, it's it's also really funny because it's like Newman is also like yeah you know this would be bad but also like it's unenforceable like him trying to suggest that it would be unenforceable is like okay well it doesn't even it doesn't even matter like they can they can pass their little laws we'll appeal them and if we don't successfully appeal them we'll just violate them what are they gonna do what are they gonna do I love his quote here. 
are you going to take apart everything at the border and look for fluoropolymer? <laughs> like, like he thinks, I mean, he, he's not, he doesn't, he doesn't think this, but he's acting as if he thinks that that's how bands of substances work like this. It's, yeah, that's like, also really funny. I, I love that energy. I love it. He's like re- truly just pretending like there's no possible way to figure out how how much anything is contaminated with these forever chemicals. And, you know, it's a good playbook. It's a good playbook to just like invoke this image of like, well, you know, we are, we are on the side of progress and innovation and, and rapid deployment of frontier technologies and the state and the enforcers and the regulatory authorities. What are they going to do? Take it apart like a bunch of Legos. It's like, no, actually they the, that's not how this works. <laughs> But you know, yeah, good, good. Uh, plus one for his media training. You got, you gotta be if you're running the company that's a spinoff of a fucking Dupont. I know it's a hundred percent. And like, you know, he is, he is like fully. He, this is what he's been prepping for. This he's been doing the John Wick training montage for this exact moment when, like, because these companies also knew that this time would come, that they were running out the clock, like. Camorra's has been setting aside hundreds of millions of dollars every year um, for to clean up uh, its own past pollution. Not pollution that might happen, not to just prevent pollution uh, in the future, but to clean up uh, pollution that has already happened. It's <laughs> um, so, you know, it's spending hundreds of millions of dollars. It, the, the whole reason the company exists is as a sinkhole for liability um, for what it knows is coming, right? Like, like, this is not coming out of nowhere that these uh, manufacturers of this chemical um, are like, hold up, I thought we were all good here. W- what? Like, like, no, they knew the time was going to come eventually that somebody somewhere, you know, some state regulatory agency somewhere was going to stand up and start making a bit of a stink about these chemicals and their um, environmental and human cost. Uh, and they've been prepping for it, right? They've been prepping for it by, you know, uh, creating these Byzantine corporate structures. They've been prepping for it by setting aside money, um, you know, every year in a little, you know, uh, you know, rainy day fund for when it comes that they have to pay out, you know, multi-billion dollar settlements for for this shit. Um, and they've been prepping for it by hiring people like Mark Newman and training them to um, go on the full offensive uh, in the most like, absurd way possible but also like it it unfortunately kind of it it works a lot with you know because like you know because newman's also said stuff like quote are you willing to wait another 20 years for an alternative when one may not exist right and so like their whole job is to shed uh to any like all doubt on the idea that there is an alternative you know, that, that you could possibly find another way, um, to, uh, manufacture everything from cookware to microchips without using these chemicals, right? Like, like their whole job is to, uh, uh, 
dissuade you of that notion, um, dispossess you of that idea whatsoever, and put fear in you as a uh, as a policymaker, as a politician, um, as uh, you know, another as as other business people and executives at industries that are you know second, like tangentially um, or indirectly or directly related to the manufacture of this chemical. Like the idea is to to put fear in all of these people that a ban or even just regulation of this chemical marks uh, death for the economy, um, which speaks because what what do we know is prioritized above all else, above the environment, above human health, um, above any other value? The economy. The econ- We know this. We know this from COVID, right? Sorry, Grandma. Sorry, Grandpa. Y'all got to die so the economy can keep rolling, you know? Now it's like, uh, sorry, whole swaths of the population. Y'all got to die so we can keep making microchips for your toothbrushes. I, I, I mean, listen, you know, I think we have a death machine and it's like we all understand it's very clear. A good amount of the population needs to die every year. Sometimes it doesn't matter who, but a lot of times it does matter who. And if you do your part and you roll over and you let it crush you and you smile and you grin and you bear it, or even if you scream and yell and complain about it, um, someday, somehow, your great, 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 great grandchildren's overseers will be immortal. And that's just, you know, that's just how the cookie crumples, man. <laughs> that's that's what we're fighting for, right? We're but fighting not immortal for... in a way, not immortal in a good way. Immortal because you are like preserved by forever chemicals. <laughs> You've been pickled. Yeah. Key, key thing here. Key. <laughs> I feel like we're prologue to a futuristic uh, sci-fi novel like Hyperion or some shit like that. This is how Hyperion starts. Yeah, yeah. No, a Hyperion where everyone is infertile, has uh, a cancer that you didn't know was possible, um, and glows at night. I think that's, you know, that's the post-humanity that I want. Frankly, um, I, I think that's, it's great. A, that's innovation. We're creating forms of cancer you've never even imagined. It's so silly, man. It's so silly that we this. It's like okay, capitalism. This great, great system. Huge amount of wealth, right? What are the what are the three biggest problems for your magical socioeconomic system? Yeah, they're not that big. Um, there is this chemical that poisons everything we eat, breathe, lay on, um, and we don't want to get rid of it. Uh, the climate, uh, the narrow ecological niche that we rely on for our climate um, and for human civilization might collapse, but we don't want to stop it. Um, and there are a lot of uh, libertarian fascist reactionary little shits with more money than god going around trying to saber rattle between various nuclear powers because they want to get even richer selling weapons to one of them but we don't want to do anything about it yeah it sounds great this <laughs> this that does sound like hyperion that does sound like a good uh, this this is the prelude to the establishment of the hegemony of man, which is the main polity of of humans in that series. Uh, and they're fighting a war with like this godforsaken AI 
um, and spacers. They also do also do indiscriminate genocide against uh, spacers, which are humans in space. But I'm diverging. I'm going on a tangent about a sci-fi <laughs> series. <laughs> Point is, this we do not. <laughs> this is not a good story. This is a bad one. This is uh, uh, hellish by <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination. It's a it's a classic story of like you know if if I owe you a thousand dollars then I've got a problem but if I owe you a million dollars you've got a problem right um, it is that classic story in the sense that like the problem has now become so big that it's no longer their problem it's our problem so the Nordic Council of Ministers uh, estimate estimates that European just Europe. Um, European uh, PFAS-related health costs could reach up to $84 billion a year um, for the treatment of diseases. (laughs) No, you um, read that wrong, Jathan. It could make them $84 billion a year. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, that's that's Kim Ors. (laughs) Yeah, but no, exactly, right? And uh, um, so it could, you know, cost $84 billion a year, and that's just for treatment of health costs, right? Like that's, that's not like environmental cleanup or nothing like that. Instead, the um uh Kimsec, a nonprofit partly funded by the Swedish government, um estimates that uh reversing environmental and health damage um could be as high as 2.4 trillion dollars per year. For how long? <laughs> I'm Do sorry, we, not we dollars, just, we just euros. Pay that forever. <laughs> Oh yeah! Great. I mean, yeah. <laughs> only it's o- it's only like two trillion dollars. <laughs> oh yeah. God! Or per is that, year, you just pay that it's not a one-time cost. Yeah, it's like for the rest of history. They just they, yeah they they don't give an endpoint like per year for the next ten years. They're just like uh, no t- two point four year trillion euros per year um, to reverse the environmental wow. and health damage. <laughs> that. I, uh, <laughs> oh my god and that, it's it's also so funny because from there the article starts to pivot and being like well you know it's not really easy and it's like yeah man you know what one of the problems is and we harp on this all the time and you know part of it i get right capital will not do anything unless there's like unless someone is covering is footing the cost right part of the reason why we're in hell right now is because um there's almost no administrative capacity to really do the sort of green transition we need to. So we have to create a, a Goldberg machine that of carrots and sticks and marbles and, and, and comical things to drop on private capital to drag it along to like reduce emissions by 3% a year or some bullshit, you know? And I, I, I understand, I understand that, you know, it's hard, but it's kind of, it's, it's insane. It is really insane um, that we that the whole manufacturing system has been constructed around this. Uh, that the that everyone knows the risk of it and the cost of it, and that we have like this guy, this motherfucking villain in a disguise, being like, "Well, you know, I don't think we should do that, guys. I think actually uh, PFAS is a really good thing, and it's kind of tasty, actually, and it's, and it makes your phones go super fast. And uh, we should all buy it from Camores, right?" <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, he really I mean, did have to be named Newman. That's that's crazy. 
We got Newman from Seinfeld. We got Newman from WeWork. And now we got Newman from Camores. <laughs> Put him in the TAK Pantheon. TMK Pantheon. And it's, cl- it's classic shit, too, because he, uh, like, he, he was uh, instrumental in the creation of Camores as this, like, DuPont spinoff. Um, he served as the company's first uh, both chief financial officer and chief operating officer literal before devil. becoming the CEO. <laughs> A literal Which, devil. You're also, telling me the guy it, it me who was like, the CFO for the company that was made as a Texas two-step is now trying to run defense? <laughs> God, why don't... Man, I don't believe in jail, but what? We're, we got to do something with these people. What's up? Where do they go? I know. It, it does give this idea that Kimora's is actually just like Mark Newman in, in corporate disguise because he's like, a, he was like, he's, <laughs> he's had three C, le- like top C level jobs at this company since its creation. He helped create it. Like, bro. It's like a hundred people who kind of look like him in different articles of clothing uh, make up every Zoom call. All right. I'm looking at his. Um, his like about page on the Kimura's website. And it has this like Q and a with him, you know, you know, this like, you know, fucking corporate self suck. Uh, you know, wh- how did you get to be so awesome? Well, you see, I, uh, <laughs> I'm a very serious person, <laughs> but this, this is good. This is good. Um, question for those who are getting to know you, what experiences from your personal life have helped shape the leader you are today? Mark Newman answers, quote, I grew up on a sugarcane and citrus farm in Jamaica. Let me be clear really quick. This is an extremely white man. <laughs> what the hell? So, I grew up on a sugarcane and citrus farm in Jamaica. And one of my first jobs was mowing, or as we call it in Jamaica, bush cutting the citrus groves. One day I was in a hurry and didn't do a very good job. My, fa- my father said... You realize everybody knows you cut this field? The next morning, I went back and redid it. It's a lesson that stuck with me, to always give 100%. Now, throughout my career, I've learned that it also impacts the people around you. And if you give everything your all, it it empowers others to do the same, as a leader, as a peer, or even a friend. (laughs) My man's, uh, (laughs) like, origin story of leadership um, (laughs) was mowing the yard in his his family's uh, sugar cane and citrus farm in Jamaica. Um, We uh, farm, we used to call those plantations. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. His his family's sugar cane plantation in Jamaica. (laughs) You know, you didn't have to tell people that. That was an unforced you know, error. No one made no one made <laughs> you tell us that you grew up on a sugarcane plantation in Jamaica. You know, guys, I, I th- this this reminds this all this talk of regulation reminds me of when um, Fidel Castro uh, took over my family's uh, farms. <laughs> 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 and, 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 oh my God! Anytime, anytime. You hear a white man talk about how he grew up on a farm in um, the West Indies. There are three questions that should <laughs> they immediately follow. There are like three questions. Um, was it actually a farm? Uh, what what race were the people who worked at the farm? 
right? Um, and the third one, uh, nah, I didn't think ahead far enough, man. What would the third <laughs> one be? <laughs> Um, I don't know. I feel like the third one, you'd have to like, maybe like you say a secret for a, a phrase that like only slavers know, you know, something that really gets him, his ears to perk up. And then you're like, ah, oh, okay, I got you. Slaver said what? <laughs> and it's okay though, because he also served as the executive sponsor of the Camorra's Diversity and Inclusion Council. You know? Oh, he's woke. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> oh, well yeah. growing up in Jamaica, you know, mo I mean, uh, bush cutting, as we call it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <you know? laughs> he learned a lot. I think it oh. might come as a surprise to you guys, but he's actually 90s R&B artist Snow, known for the hit song Informer. <laughs> <laughs> he, he did actually go to college in, uh, in, in Canada. <laughs> so, so you fucking nailed his ass. <laughs> you nailed his ass, Jeremy. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, he, he I love it. I can imagine someone like, learning that he ran the diversity office at um Camors and constructing like a weird Soros conspiracy about him putting like forever woke chemicals in our blood to- <laughs> <laughs> oh shit you can you know almost what? hear you know it what? you can almost hear the rant you know we should you should just like really lean into it and do the Alex Jones and listen, listen, listen. Ladies and gentlemen, they're literally putting chemicals in the water that will last forever. And get this. Um the the chief executive, he made Teflon. Uh he ran he ran the diversity office. So you know what that means? They're putting chemicals uh, to make you woke, to make you gay, to uh, to, to 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 do to to turn you into one of the globalists, so that you folks, can agree folks. with their agenda. We had we had we had the documents, and we had the proof <laughs> when we knew they were turning the frogs gay. I was saying PFAS this in is turning the frogs gay, and we knew they were doing this. We've known it for decades, and no one, no no one, no one but me, no one but me would stand up and say anything about it. And now, now. Uh, Mark Newman, this uh, Jamaican-born uh, woke <laughs> CEO, he's he's trying to turn everybody gay. He's turning us gay with the Teflon, he with wants the to microchips. Be They're putting microchips in our bloodstream, folks. They're putting <laughs> microchips in our bloodstream, and they will last forever. They will never go They're, away. We will They're using a biotech. P- PFAS is a biotech. It's the mark of the beast. <laughs> You know, if you had uh, Jordan Peterson interject a little bit into the conversation, I'm just, I'm, uh, I recently became aware that um, <laughs> this uh, this gentleman who is uh, the CEO of this PFAS company that uh, is emasculating men all over the world, taking away their manhood, <laughs> um, he was a rap artist. In the 90s, who went by the name Snow? Could you believe this? <laughs> it's Jordan Peterson, but instead of saying, clean up your room, he's like, Ugh. I can't even do his voice, but he's like, clean up the Superfund. <laughs> this, um, I recently discovered the thing called Superfund sites. I thought they were parks for people to go and have fun. It turns out there's woke chemicals everywhere, making everybody woke, effeminizing men, and making women grow penises, which I don't like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
It's funny how that sounded like Kermit for a little bit. Well, it's because he does sound like Kermit. <laughs> he does. No, every time I think about it, I'm like, wow, he actually really does sound like Kermit he the Frog. He truly does. He does. To get back into it, right, uh, for a, a little bit long, <laughs> but like, I mean, it, it, this, it's what we were saying at the top of the show as well. That, like, this is very much the, this is, this is what capitalist innovation gives you, right? Like, this is what capitalist engineering processes give you. Um, you know, the, the, uh, the FT article is really good as well because it does break down exactly how PFAS is used in the semiconductor manufacturing um, process. And so I like that they actually went into the mechanics, the details of it. Um, and they've got some really great figures as well that uh, I think explain it really clearly that, you know, you know, PFAS performs a lot of different functions, both in its uh, chemical form, but also in its plastic variants. Um, you know, it, it, you know, in the chemical form in terms of the um, lithographic manufacturing process, right? It's really, you know, it's crucial for that in the way it's designed now. Um, you know, uh, it's, it's applied to the silicon wafers. It's also real, uh, used in its plastic variants for things like, you know, all the valves and pumps and fittings and gaskets and O-rings. And, you know, uh, all of that stuff is made out of PFAS chemicals as well. But there's like, there is definitely, as you were saying, Ed, there's like a real, uh, conflation happening here. A conflation of because something is used and is used as like a really crucial component in a variety of ways in a process, um, that is then like its existence is then used um, by com people like Mark Newman and others as evidence of its inevitability, um, as evidence of um, the no alternative, right? That like, well, because... Uh, because we've created an entire process that revolves around using this chemical, um, it means no, the, no other process is, is possible, right? And that's, that's also just not true, right? It is more that, uh, these, that they are heavily invested in not doing it. And that's not to say it's, it's easy that like they, you know, well, I don't know. Maybe they do actually have the, uh, the secret alternative chemical, um, <laughs> that they, that they've already created and found the process and they've just got it, you know, locked away in a vault somewhere or something. But, you know, they, uh, these companies are claiming, um, that they've tested a lot of different materials, uh, that, you know, um, have been trying to find an alternative, um, but none of them, uh, you know, reach the specs, um, that PFAS does in terms of its, uh, physical, uh, chemical, uh, and heat resistance. And, but it also sounds a lot like, um, from comments made by Newman, but also comments made by these other companies. And also the fact that, you know, um, out of the PFAS, you know, there's like, uh, there's six companies or seven companies um, that control a supermajority of the global fluoropolymers market, right? And only two companies, Camores and a Japanese company named Daikin, only two companies are able to produce 
um, the uh, high-end plastic, the high-end PFAS plastic that can be turned into equipment for chip making. So what that also sounds to me like is that um, on one hand, you've got some uh, companies saying, well, we're trying to find an alternative. And on the other hand, you've got the people the, who are most loudly saying there is no alternative also being the, mono the duopoly that controls the entire market, right? Uh, and, and so it, it doesn't really make me want to believe them um that you know I, I believe it's difficult if anything just because like i have a little bit of background in, in polymer chemistry and chemical engineering not not a ton just a little bit but like enough to be like yeah no like these these processes are really hard um and it takes a lot of time and and all of that but but i also don't want to believe them when they say there's no alternative. There's no way to do it. Um, the entire green economy is going to tank. Um, all of our, you know, the digital economy, like all of this stuff is going to, to deindustrialize unless we keep using this. When that also sounds to me like the lang like the exact argument of someone who's trying to protect their, their monopoly position, right? Mm hmm. Exactly. I think that's like a very important point, right? I mean, and that comes through Newman's own comments where it's like kind of like Newman doesn't, you know, is talking about how deindustrialization is going to happen. But then on the flip side, also just being upfront, like you'll never be able to enforce it, you know, and like, well, you know, do whatever you guys want. We're going to do what we need to do, which is to ensure that global supply chain of electronics and high-end technologies uh, rely on PFAS until we decide that we're going to cut out PFAS, you know? Similar to every other uh, commodity that we generate, which is also poisoning the planet and humanity, it's within the acceptable bounds of profit to keep destroying the basis on, on, uh, for which we use to, to extract that profit and enjoy it. It doesn't really matter. We don't care. And they just don't. They just don't believe that they care anyway either. You know, I th They care to the degree which profits can be impeded. But like we talked before, you know, administrative status weathered. We've been insistent on and kind of come to rely on private-public partnerships. International finance is structured along these private-public partner, uh, private partnerships. Central banks have refused to take more aggressive uh, stands and deploy instruments which would punish, you know, carbon um funds or capital going into fossil fuel industries or firms that aren't you know prioritizing uh uh divestment from them so like if that's the international framework which is happening for such a clear thing which will cause catastrophic deaths and mass migrations and the immiseration of a large swath of humanity and render huge parts of the earth uninhabitable and we know this and everyone knows this and we know that we're racing towards one of the worst outcomes and if that's the international framework within which you know is being uh, arrived at as a consensus you know we're even more fucked for a chemical that like causes uh side effects in almost everyone but no one gives a fuck because there are so many other intermediary you know uh, uh, factors because there are so many other corporations that are dumping these forever chemicals because no one wants to lose the advantage in the industry because uh, it's that much more profitable and easier to just keep poisoning everything and making money off the rot yeah and and find the accounting doesn't make any sense either if they had to internalize these costs right because 
it, you know, we can believe them that they've been searching for an alt that, you know, some of these companies claim they've been searching for alternatives or insisting, you know, you know, TSMC, who we've talked about, Apple, NVIDIA, Qualcomm, right? Like, uh, these, you know, these companies say they've been, you know, pushing for or searching for substitutes for a, you know, very long time. Some company, some other companies claim they've been, you know, actively trying to research substitutes and alternatives for, uh, PFAS free manufacturing, you know, for a few years now. And they're like, you know, Hey, it's going to, it's going to take a lot more time, um, to, to get here. But it is also the, the case that like, if these companies had to internalize the cost, you know, if they had to internalize that 2.4 trillion euros per year of, 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 um, of cost to reverse damage, right? If they had to internalize all of that, well, suddenly I feel like we would get some alternatives real quick, you know, um, because the accounting would make sense for them. But this is the definition of externality, right? Like they're like, we get all the profits and we also don't have to bear any of the cost um, that come from pumping these forever chemicals into the environment, um, and into every living uh, thing on earth, right? It again, it innovation is this like, you know, it's set up as just this, as you put it very nicely, this Rube Goldberg device of carrots and sticks and marbles and pulleys and levers and stuff. And it's just like, you know, if, if you want innovation for good, well, you have to create this extremely complex system of incentives um, to get people to do it. Otherwise, sorry, no can do. It, it really does come down to the fact as well that I think we just can't trust them to find an alternative, right? We can't trust a Camorras or a Daikin. We can't trust even, you know, a TSMC. Um, we can't trust these companies to find an alternative. They have far too much invested in the existing processes um, to actually find and implement alternatives. They are far too aggressively opposed to regulation or, or banning, um, that it, it, they're showing their hand. They are not interested in finding an alternative, right? Which means that we can't trust them, right? Like we have to, like the only thing that can really be done, it seems like is to, uh, you know, step in and take it out, take over, right. And force an alternative, right. Not incentivize, but force, force an alternative, um, and only then, even if we were to do that like tomorrow, that might just stop, like slow down, maybe pause the ongoing degradation and destruction of uh, environmental and biological health on this planet, right? It's not going to clean up the stuff that's already happened, <laughs> you know? It really does feel like another, like, it's yet another one of these like climate change moments, right? Where it's like, we can see the problem. We can see its consequences. We can see the trajectory that we are hurtling along. We can also see what needs to be done. Um, and yet everybody is standing around with their thumb up their ass being like, oh, I don't know who's going to go first. Uh, you know, it, it, it's uh, don't inspire confidence, Ed. <laughs> don't inspire confidence. You know, yeah. DuPont, DuPont's um, old slogan used to be uh, better living through chemistry. Um, and thanks to Camorras, we've now got better death through chemistry yeah. as well. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God damn. Maybe we need to do a happy episode after this one.
<laughs> I, I kind of liked our Alex was... Jones, Jordan Peterson bit. That was nice yeah. break. <laughs> yeah, that was... <laughs> that was good. That was good. Hey guys, hey guys. Um, what what's green and um and smells like pork? Um, my dick. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, Jordan. I thought you only ate beef. <laughs> Everybody has to have their secrets. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's the note to go out on. (laughs) Yeah. Next time we'll talk about all the other things we wanted to talk about this episode. All right, folks. Thank you for listening to this machine kills. Your your support is appreciated as always. We all we need you. We need you as in the TMK army. You need to help us support and fight these woke chemicals that are in our bloodstream. We need to make sure that the Luddites are in control. I'm getting word now. I'm getting word now. The Luddites are in control. The Luddites are in control. (laughs) (laughs) They're they're storming the capital. They're storming the capital. (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm storming capital, all right. Uh, all right, we'll catch you all next time. Later. <laughs> Adios.